This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Why don't you just hand out good and plenties for Pete's sake? Ugh. Good and plenty. The one I'm not big on, and people get so mad when I say this, get the almond joy out of my face. Oh, no kidding. I don't want the almond joy anywhere near me. Mounds, take that elsewhere. Like, you're lucky if I go to your house trick-or-treating and you, because I still do it, that if I go (laughs) trick-or-treating and you hand me a Mounds, I'm going to throw it right back in your face. I'm literally going to throw it in your face. That's what's going to happen. That's America in a nutshell right there. (laughs) Oh, you're giving me something for free? Let me throw it back in your face because it's not exactly what I wanted. Exactly. It's not even that it's exactly what I I didn't. It's not that it's it's not exactly what I wanted. It's that it's exactly what I didn't want. (laughs) Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Tonight, the first college football playoff rankings come out on ESPN. And we have got... Is the word muddled fair? It's an interesting situation that is going on around Michigan right now. So the very latest is this. This story came uh, just a little while ago from ESPN. Central Michigan is investigating photos that show a man who resembles Michigan staff member Connor Stallions standing on the Central Michigan sideline with the Chippewas coaches for the team's opener September 1st at Michigan State. Now, Central Michigan's AD Amy Folan, in a statement to ESPN, said the school became aware of the photos late Monday. The man resembling Stallions is dressed in Central Michigan-issued gear and standing alongside several of the team's coaches while wearing a bench credential that doesn't actually have the name on it it just says visitors bench on the credential and it gets him anywhere the players and coaches can go in the stadium at that point so you have that and the thought process there is that not only is connor stallions employing people all over the place paying them a couple hundred bucks a pop to go to Stadiums of opponents in the Big Ten and potential college football playoff opponents to videotape their signals so they can break them down, but also using that information, allegedly, to help the opposition of Michigan State in the opener this year to maybe help them along to beat one of Michigan's rivals. Now, you might ask, well, why would Central Michigan want to be a part of that? The head coach at Central Michigan is Jim McElwain, the uh, former Florida head coach, and he was the Michigan wide receivers coach in 2018. So there is an awful lot going on there as the latest in the Michigan sign-stealing scandal continues. This morning, Heather Denich, ESPN College football reporter, is on Get Up, and here she is explaining how this could potentially play into the rankings tonight. Not this specific story, but the Michigan sign-stealing story altogether. Michigan presents quite a conundrum for the group that's meeting 
upstairs right now. And that's because you could certainly argue Michigan is the best team in the country. They are the most complete team in the country. Number one in ESPN's game control metric. Number two in both offensive and defensive efficiency. The problem is their best win is against the 6-2 Rutgers team. That group pouring over these resumes and the statistics values statement wins. And Michigan does not have one. They will also consider four straight home games to start the season against unranked opponents. Yeah, that was a big theme for Michigan as well that gets overlooked. So you have all of that in mind, Joseph. How are you how are you evaluating Michigan tonight if you are looking at being a member of this playoff committee and you're doing your rankings? Investigation means nothing to me. I throw that out the door. That's not to say nothing, nothing happened, but until any of that gets proven, until any of that is adjudicated in some way where I've got the evidence and I've got a ruling, I can't sit there and weigh that in. I'm not going to weigh that in because I'm not being asked to necessarily weigh that in. That's not my job on the committee. I need to find the four best teams and I need to find a way to figure out how to structure them accordingly. I would, however, leave Michigan out of the top four. And I know that as the co-favorites to win the national championship in Vegas, people are going to find that offensive. They're undefeated. They're beating everyone. I think it sends a horrible message to college football if you're going to put them anywhere near the top of this thing because all it's going to do is incentivize schools, big-name programs, to schedule nobody, to schedule absolutely nobody to better their playoff chances. I want big games. Fans want big games. We want big games in this sport. Here's what I don't want. A Michigan schedule that starts like this. Home East Carolina. Home UNLV. Home Bowling Green. Home Rutgers. At Nebraska. At Minnesota. Home Indiana. At Michigan State. There's nothing there that's impressive to me. Nothing. You should do that. You're Michigan. You're expected to do that. So here's what I'd do. I'd send the message to Michigan and say, look, Georgia's at least blown out Kentucky and Florida. And they're the two-time defending champions. Ohio State has wins over Notre Dame and Penn State. The Notre Dame's a road win. Florida State's beaten LSU. They've beaten a ranked Duke team. They beat Clemson, who's down this year, but at least that's a name versus Bowling Green. No disrespect to the MAC. We've got action tonight, but again, we're talking about the college football playoff here. And Washington, despite the fact that they've stumbled all over themselves the last two week, did two weeks, did beat Oregon. I'd put those three up there, and I'd say Michigan in two weeks, certainly not next week because you're playing Purdue, but in two weeks you've got a road date at number nine Penn State. Go beat them, and I got no problems moving you to the top two. No problems at all. But until I see you do something against somebody, I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to send a message to all the college football that all the major power programs should avoid conflict, should avoid controversy, should avoid tough matchups at all costs so they can qualify for the playoff. I would reward the teams that are playing somebody, and Michigan hasn't done any of that to date. See, here's where I have a little issue with that argument. It is not Michigan's fault. You are 100% right about the out-of-conference part of it. Okay. Thank you. Let's get lunch. Okay. I could use a sandwich. Um, <laughs> you are 100% right about the non-conference part of it. Michigan does not have any control about when they play their schools in the conference. They are handed the conference schedule by the Big Ten. So the fact, you know, outside of Ohio State, who they traditionally play at the end of the year, the rival weekend, you can't point to that part of it. 
because that's the case with all these conferences. When you play them, not up to you. The fact that Florida State went and played LSU, absolutely. Reward them for that. The fact that Ohio State went and played Notre Dame, absolutely. Reward them for that. They deserve that. So it's hard for me to knock Michigan for having played nobody in the conference so far, but I would say that Let's say I'm going to look at a team like Alabama right now, okay? Alabama went and played Texas, and that's their only loss. They have beaten Ole Miss. They have beaten Tennessee. Am I supposed to hold it against Alabama for going and playing a good team in Texas who lost to Oklahoma, but, you know, they've also beaten Kansas in addition to beating Alabama? It's it's, it's tricky for me. Now, Having said all of that, I'm leaving Michigan out right now, too. You do have to beat somebody. You do have to do that. So I'm going right now, I'm going Georgia, Florida State, Ohio State, Washington. Now, the the thing about Washington that bothers me, it's what's happened the last couple of weeks. But, Joe, like we always say, they won the games. They won the games. That's all I can argue with that. Yeah, I think you're. I, I that's how I'd have it. Except I'd flip Ohio State and Florida State. I put Ohio State two and Florida State three. I think the Notre Dame and Penn State wins are worth a little bit more than LSU, Clemson, and Duke. Just a little bit more. But I really like what Florida State's done. What I have a feeling what's going to happen here is Michigan's going to be in and Washington's going to be left out. I agree. That, that's my thought process. I don't know the order in which you're going to do it. Georgia should probably be end up number one. They don't have the great schedule that Ohio State or FSU has, but they really haven't lost a game in a few years. They're two-time defending. That's the type of team that gets the benefit of the doubt. And when they needed to step up, I mean, I think Kentucky was undefeated when they played. They massacred them. They massacred Florida. Like, anytime you throw something that even looks like a contest their way, they hammer the opposition, and they just did it without Brock Bowers this past week. So I got no problem giving them the benefit of the doubt. But I've seen Michigan get to the big stage and flop. Lost to TCU last year. Got hammered by Georgia two years ago. So I'm sorry if I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt when I haven't seen you play anybody yet. But I do think they're going to get in because they've hammered everybody. And that's going to leave Washington on the outside looking in. Because after beating Oregon, they beat Arizona State 15-7. to And then they beat Stanford 42-33. And I think everybody in the back of their mind feels that if Washington doesn't go down between now and the end of the season, when they get to the Pac-12 championship game, they're going to rematch Oregon. And Oregon's going to take them out. One last one. Does Michigan-Ohio State at the end of the year, determine which one of them goes to the playoffs? Or can a one-loss Michigan team with that schedule actually make it in? It won't be dependent upon them. It'll be dependent dependent upon upon other teams losing. What you'll need is, for example, you'll need Washington to show up against Oregon and Oregon to beat Washington so they each have a loss. Then you'll need Florida State to lose in the ACC championship game so that they have a loss. You're going to need a handful of these undefeated teams to rack up some losses. You're going to need Georgia to run the table because you don't want one loss Alabama in there having beaten Georgia. So you want Georgia undefeated, Bama with two losses. Hopefully Oklahoma loses again and then beats Texas or Texas loses again and then beats Oklahoma so you take the entire Big 12 out of it and then you might have an argument for Michigan with one loss assuming they beat Penn State 
That's the that's the way in. But if they lose one game and Georgia goes undefeated and Florida State goes undefeated, I mean, a one-loss Oregon's probably getting in over Michigan in that situation. So, yeah, they're not getting in if they lose to Ohio State and a couple of these other teams stay undefeated. Well, it is moot for Ohio State because they've got Rutgers this week and they're going to lose. So that's that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's – yeah, there you go. Well, if I have – have you looked at the number or not? I have not. What do we got? You, you, you look you at it? You want to take a stab at what the number is? Where's the game? At Rutgers. At Rutgers? Uh, 27 and a half. 18 and a half. Oh, wow. Wow, I guess I see uh, value in Ohio State then. Look at you. Well, that's off the top of my head, and there's a reason I'm not bookmaking. There's a reason I'm betting on Tyson Fury by knockout and losing. (laughs) I meant to tell you, there were a couple of guys who were behind me in line at the uh, game one the other day, or at the uh, game two, rather, at the the World Series, at the World Series. Uh, who were talking about that as it had just happened, and I had just gotten your text, and I said, yeah, my guy here says he got hosed. And he's like, who's your guy? And I said, oh, it's Joe Fortenbaugh. And he's like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> that was the response. <laughs> Nothing, didn't say anything else. That's I know enough, that huh? guy. That's not really a ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> it's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Don't miss See Better Drive Safer Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts with great deals on wiper blades, headlight bulbs, and more. They'll even install your new wiper blades for free. Get ready with shorter days. For shorter days and more nighttime driving, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Don't forget, tonight, Game 4 of the World Series on ESPN Radio between the Rangers and Diamondbacks and Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred scheduled to join the pregame of tonight's World Series Game 4 right here on ESPN Radio. Up next, Devontae Adams is unhappy in Vegas. The bigger question, though, is he still the best wide receiver in the NFL? Pool party next. ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors... You're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court, it can feel impossible to keep up with. But we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. 
Victoria Speedo. Chris Carlin in the his house. Put on those floaties and grab a margarita. It's a Carlin versus Joe Pool party. a pool party. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. The premise is simply this. Joe presents a pool of candidates, whether it be teams, whether it be players in different categories, and asks me to select from said pool as to what the best option would be. Did I sum that up pretty nicely? Summed it up perfectly. Let's jump into it with pool number one so that we can show the great people who listen to Carlin versus Joe an example. And we'll make it an easy one. Best wide receiver in the National Football League. Tyreek Hill of the Miami Dolphins. A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles. Or Devontae Adams of the Las Vegas Raiders. See, this is closer than people realize between Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown has got six consecutive games now of over 125 yards. Right now, it's slightly Tyreek Hill. But, boy, that's 1-1A to me at the moment, the way A.J. Brown is playing. And, by the way, Joe, do we notice that that's really happened ever since A.J. Brown was complaining about not getting the football? That's how it works. Tell everyone you want to go to the Clippers, they'll trade you to the Clippers. Tell everyone you want the football, they'll throw you the football. Moral of the story, I'm going right into our boss's office today, and I'm complaining about everything. Everything. <laughs> I want two microphones moving forward. Not one. I want two microphones. Carlin gets one. I get two. Yeah. I, I would agree with you on Tyreek Hill. I, I'm an Eagle fan. Love A.J. Brown. Love everything he's done. I hate the fact that I got to go in a different direction. But I'd say this. If I'm going into a game and I'm rooting for the other team, I'm just way more scared of Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill terrifies me thinking about trying to slow him down. So fast, so open. Anything he catches, he can just turn into an absolute home run. So I'd go with Tyreek Hill as well. Pool party number two. The California team to most likely win an NBA championship this year. The Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Sacramento Kings, or the Golden State Warriors? Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, I probably got to go. Wow. Look at the big noodle. The big noodle's all, all twisted up. I probably got to go Warriors. Yeah, at a boy. Probably, and it's I, I I don't feel great about any of the choices. The Warriors were looked worn out in the playoffs last year, and what did they do? They added 82 year old Chris Paul to be their point guard, and then the Lakers. To me, I, I'm not a big Anthony Davis believer in any way. I think the Clippers will explode by I would say early March. And I want to believe in the Kings. I really do like the beam. I'm just not quite there yet with their ability to potentially win a championship. We're not there yet. 
complete agreement with you. The problem with the Lakers, look at the plus minus of LeBron James on the floor versus off the floor. The Lakers are a disaster when he isn't playing. You can't be that top heavy if you're going to win the Western Conference. Don't trust the Clippers because of the health of Paul George, the health of Kawhi Leonard, and let's face it, James Harden. Are we suddenly going to trust him to be an ultimate team guy? And the Kings love the story, but got to see more defense. That was a big problem for them last year, but I love the experience they got against the Warriors. Give me the dubs. Pool party number three. The NFL quarterback who will not be their team's starter next year. So these quarterbacks are currently on a team. Which of them is most likely to not be on that same team next year? Jimmy Garoppolo, who's currently with the Raiders. Jordan Love, who's currently with the Packers. Russell Wilson, who's currently with the Broncos. I would have said Russell Wilson last week. Yeah. And he wasn't very good this week. He was just, eh. Uh, I would say it's virtually a lock that it's going to be Jimmy G. I don't see Jimmy G as the starter uh, with Vegas next year. There's still a possibility it could be Jordan Love in Green Bay. Jimmy G cannot be in Vegas next year. That's a debacle. Completely agree. What you're seeing with Jimmy Garoppolo is exactly why Kyle Shanahan is an elite offensive mind and Josh McDaniels is an average offensive mind. Same quarterback. Jimmy G got a... Kyle Shanahan got everything out of him. McDaniels is getting very, very little out of him. Finally... The star NBA player who will be traded next. Joel Embiid, currently with the Sixers. Zion Williamson, currently with the Pelicans. Carl Anthony Towns, currently with the Timberwolves. Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. I think he'll be next, and I think he'll get traded to the Knicks, and I think it oh will be all for naught. That's going to be a mess. He is not going to be that player that the Knicks have been pining for low these many years. Hard to disagree with that one. I think it's obvious. The Pelicans do not want to give up on Zion. We had a conversation. I can't remember who it was with about this recently that was telling us, look, if you look at Ingram and Zion and C.J. McCollum and all these guys in New Orleans, how many games have they actually all played together? It's so minimal. The Pelicans are just desperate to see what they look like with all of these guys healthy and on the floor. I can respect that, right? Yeah, that was Antonio Daniels who does color for the Pelicans. He was great. Yeah, he was excellent. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. Speaking of excellent. Wendy is joining us in just moments. We ask questions to our NBA insider to get answers, including James Harden and how long it takes to blow up in L.A. That's next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. 
James Harden is on the move again. This is one of the most unstoppable offensive forces in the history of this league. The 76ers sent Harden and two other players to the team he wanted to go to, the Clippers. They think they have a team in L.A. that has enough firepower to compete with the elite and has a coach in Ty Lue that can coach Harden and can make this group work. I just want a fair chance, man. Just life has just never been fair to James Harden. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. From superchargers, exhaust kits, and more, eBay Motors has over 122 million parts to keep your ride or die alive. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive. At ebaymotors.com, eligible items only, exclusions Applied. You want to get smarter about basketball? You listen to the Hoop Collective podcast hosted by Brian Windhorse, ESPN NBA insider, who joins us now. Uh, Brian, Chris Carlin, along with Joe Fortenbaugh. We appreciate it as always. And let's just start here. Your initial reaction when we heard the news of Sixers actually training James Harden to where he wanted to go to the L.A. Clippers. Nobody, and I mean nobody, handles trade demands like James Harden. He is, without question, the undisputed winner of this little showdown. He has done it again for a fourth time in his career. He has been traded and gotten exactly what he wanted, and I include the time he got traded to the Rockets and got his own team and a max contract in one fell swoop in that move. Everything that he did over the last four months ultimately led to him getting um, to the place he wanted with his bird rights, which could be very valuable to him later on in the time frame that he wanted. Uh, absolutely untouchable. You know, Hakeem Olajuwon, when his career ended, started giving lessons to players who wanted to come down and learn post moves, would charge them tens of thousands of dollars to do it. I think James Harden has a business he can set up at the end of his career and consult players who want it because the man is untouchable in this regard. Here's okay, what so we call it, weaponizing laziness, the James Harden <laughs> seminar. I'd love to – I want to follow up on that because, you know, this offseason there was the conversation about Dame Lillard wanting to go only to the Miami Heat and then the NBA getting involved saying they don't want to see this sort of thing anymore. But for Harden to once again come out and say – this is how it's going to be done. And for it to happen, this has to be a big win for the players in general, is it not? Well, this is there, there's circumstances with everything. There's nuance. Part of the reason why Harden got what he wanted is that there was no market for him. There was no other teams who wanted to trade for him. One of the reasons why he found himself in this situation was when he got to June and had the choice to, be, to become about becoming a free agent or opting in and getting stuck there, there was no place for him to go where he could get what he wanted. There was no market. So part of it was that you know he's, his skills have eroded and it's become such a hassle to deal with him that it's, it's hard to compete. Lots of people wanted Dame Lillard. <laughs> you know, the, the, Lillard's problem was that more teams wanted him. Lillard's problem was that you know people respected his professionalism, that he would show up where he was traded and would, would complete at the highest level, even if it wasn't his hand-picked choice. So, yeah, it's a heck of a way to go about your, your life, but 
uh, Harden has got it done. Like, I can't, I'm not even doing a tongue-in-cheek. I honestly am giving him his credit. He has done it again, and he's in his hometown in a desirable place, and he's on a team with the Clippers that has a chance to do something special this year. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider, host of the Hoop Collective podcast with us. Uh, That in mind, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Can that group successfully coexist to challenge this year? Yeah, it's a question because already with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George healthy, I know it's been three games, but... Russell Westbrook's had the ball in his hand in these first three games less than just about any other time in his career. And so now if you put in James Harden into that spot, you're asking him to really be in the type of role that he was last year that he didn't love. You know, uh, he, he led the league in assists last year, but I don't think was too happy. And, you know, one of the more fascinating things that happened in the playoffs last year, you may remember Joel Embiid had an injury to start that second round series, and he didn't play against Boston in game one. And Harden went out and scored 40 points up in Boston, and they won the game. It was a tremendous performance, but I think it kind of oddly emboldened Harden. He's like, I'm still this player. You know, I still want to be compensated and have that that level. I don't think it really helped out in the long run. And so I know that that's still in there for him. So the real question is, um, do all these guys on the same page? Now, I think this has been something that Kawhi, Paul George, and and, uh, Westbrook have been preparing for for a while. They've, I think, thought that they were going to get Harden at some point. Um, And they're all highly incentivized to make this work. Uh, Kawhi, Paul George, and now Harden all in contract years. Uh, And Harden can't get his contract extended. It's not allowed by the rules. So he is highly incentivized to be on his best behavior, uh, have a terrific season, fit in, and get rewarded by the Clippers in the offseason. So if it's ever going to work, the situation is set up for it to work. They're all motivated to do so. Wendy, I'm curious, as we look back at Philadelphia, Harden's gone, Joel Embiid's the star. A lot of talk about what they could do with these three first-round picks they now have. Their own in 2030, and the two they're going to pick up from the Clippers. Two-part question. Number one, who are some potential targets they could go after? And then on top of that, Tyrese Maxey. I'm of the belief that he could develop into the legitimate Robin to Embiid's Batman. Are some people sleeping on the fact that they already have a bona fide star on their roster? Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why this was easier to do now. Maxi comes starts the season awesome. I know you're never going to make any sweeping conclusions after three games, but he's the player of the week in the Eastern Conference. He looks great. You've got Harden potentially looming, coming back. It was the confluence, I think, of those two things that resulted in the big decision to make the deal now. Um, and, you know, th- I think Philly's got a couple of different paths that can go down, and that's one of the reasons why I think they were comfortable with this deal. They can look to make a midseason trade and use because they have somewhere in the neighborhood of like $90 million in expiring contracts. We know that that's very valuable going into the trade market, especially when you're going in with draft picks. Um, <clears throat> they could trade for a player who's got years left on his contract, or they could trade for a player at the end of his contract. And a reason they might want to do that is because with this trade, they also offloaded. Um, uh, P.J. Tucker's salary. And so they're looking at having 50 to $60 million in cap space next year. They could be a, a free agent player. 
and one, you know they could sort of split the difference and trade for a guy at the end of his contract, maybe a guy like Buddy Heald, who's been on and off the market with this with the, with Philly. Maybe a player like DeMar DeRozan at the end of his contract with, with Chicago, depending on what happens there. Or they could go in for another player who's got more years on his contract. They've got options, plus Tyrese Maxey. So it's not, they're not done yet, but it's not the worst position to be in. Okay, having said that, Wendy, last one. How much time would they, in theory, have before <laughs> this really becomes a problem for Joel Embiid? Because when I was talking about this earlier... A hundred days from today is the NBA trade deadline. Excuse me. Um, Quite all right. They have Not till, at all. They have till the end of this year. And that's the fascinating situation. I don't think the Harden trade changes their arithmetic. When you have a player like Joel Embiid and you're coming off of a couple of seasons where maybe you've underwhelmed, you are already on the clock. So they already knew that if they didn't have a great year this year, that they were potentially facing some pressure with Embiid. Embiid is, you know, already talking. If you remember the interview he gave over the summer where he, you know, began to open the idea that he might have to go elsewhere. So even if they were kumbaya with Harden, even if he had signed a beautiful long-term contract extension in the offseason and they were in a very good place coming off of last season, they were facing pressure this year. So this doesn't really change it. Um, I do think, you know, they, um, having traded Harden basically for expiring contracts and draft picks, they are under a measure of pressure to improve the roster as the season goes along. But they made the coaching change with the idea that they knew that, in, that the clock was ticking on Embiid. And I know he's starting, he's in the first year of a four-year extension right now. And so you say, well, what about that contract? Well, the contract doesn't matter. What matters is the star player's contentment. And if they have a, a disappointing end to this season like they did last year, they potentially have a problem. Uh, but I do think that they've, they've taken steps to address it. I do think that Nick Nurse will be a guy who can help this roster. And I do think that this trade that they executed today or last night or whenever it was um, gives them an opportunity to to improve either through next summer or in the middle of this season. That's the reality when you have a star player. You, In the most cases, you go year to year. And that's where we are. And so obviously what happens with Embiid is, is crucial. But I think Embiid's in a good place today. I think he likes playing with Maxi. I think he's off to a good start personally this season. And they've got a shot now. They are a, a contender with room for improvement. That's really all you can ask for considering the circumstances. I'm really looking forward to Harden's pursuit for one for the thumb and a fifth trade <laughs> demand later in the year. Well, I'm betting on him. I don't know if it's this year or next year, but if he if he asks for it, I'm I'm never you know I'm not I'm not wagering against the house on that one. No question, Wendy. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Take care, guys. Yep, Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider. If you haven't checked it out, you got to check out the Hoop Collective podcast. They do an amazing job. Tim McMenamin, Tim Bontemps, they do an amazing job uh, on that. Make you smarter about the NBA. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. One NFL team has done it again for the second year in a row. The 49ers have pulled off a blockbuster. 
We'll give you the details next, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Joe's mobile app has 24-7 claim service and on-the-go policy info. It's easy to Geico. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Third pizza money of the show. We're 59, 50, and 1 overall, up 3.82 units. We gave you Andrew Heaney, under 9.5 outs, recorded in World Series Game 4. We gave you Victor Wembenyama. Wembenyama. I got to – jeez. That's going to be an offer until okay. he retires. Listen, just keep doing your best. That's all we can ask from you. Yeah. He'll only be around in the NBA 20 years with me screwing this up. Over 3.5 turnovers for Wemby, minus 105. And then finally, Maxion starts tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Get excited. If you are a D-Gen like my friend Chris Carlin or myself, tonight is a national holiday. We are going to take Northern Illinois, minus 5.5 five on the road at Central Michigan. Slow start for the Huskies but at 1-4. Con- hang on a second, though. It's Connor Stallions on the other side. A <laughs> little bit of drama for Central Michigan. We got to be careful of Stallions. I don't think Michigan is scouting Northern Illinois at the moment, who started 1-4, and four, but they're 3-0 and oh since, winning all three games by seven or more points. The defense has been terrific. 22 points per game allowed this season. They have a very solid secondary. They have a very experienced quarterback in Rocky Lombardi, who has apparently been around for two decades in college football. Central Michigan, 2-6 and six against the number this year. Defense is a little shaky. They struggle against the run. That's what Northern Illinois wants to do. Final pizza money of the night. Northern Illinois, minus 5.5 over Central Michigan. Versus Joe. Breaking news. Oh boy, this is another biggie. Washington first traded away Montez Sweat, their defensive end, to the Bears for a second round pick, and now Chase Young is on the move. He has been traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. Chase Young in exchange for a third round pick, and that, as you know, will likely be a late third round pick. Uh, with the 49ers being excellent. But Chase Young, who, if we're going to be honest about it, has not lived up to anywhere near what we would have expected so far. He's only got 14 sacks uh, in, you know, four years, and they certainly haven't been four complete years with the injuries he's had. But uh, so far this season, he's got five sacks. And can you imagine him opposite Joey Bosa? They've got Armstead. They've That's got a Fred dollar Porter. in the jar. Or Nick, Nick Bosa. Bosa. Nick, yeah, you could call him Nick Bosa. Dollar can in you, the jar. Can you imagine all of that with that 49er defense that just keeps getting richer? So to your point, seven and a half sacks in 15 games as a rookie in 2020. He wins the Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year. He goes to the Pro Bowl. Since then, bit of a struggle. Only nine games in his sophomore season, one and a half sacks. Only three games last year, zero sacks. So far this season, he's off on the right foot. Seven games played, five sacks. The Washington Commanders, however, keep in mind, they did not pick up his fifth-year option as a first-round pick when they had the opportunity to do so. Niners can't do that, which means the Niners are getting him in the final year of his rookie contract. They're doing it for a third-round pick. Maybe in the offseason they find a way to get a deal done, but this is clearly a team that recognizes its Super Bowl window is right now. They're going to make moves. Bosa, Javon Hargrave, who they picked up in the offseason, Eric Armstead, who's already there, and now Chase Young. If he stays healthy, this is the nastiest front four in all of football, but he's got to stay healthy. They all do.
Steve Wilkes has struggled a little bit as defensive coordinator. Kyle Shanahan said that he's going to have a conversation with Wilkes during this bye week about moving from the booth down to the field. So we'll see what happens there. But the Niners certainly arming up, getting ready to make a move for it. And so that caps off uh, what has been a busy day so far. And it's still we have about an hour and eight minutes left before the deadline. And so we've got Ezra Cleveland, the guard from the Minnesota Vikings, going to Jacksonville. And Josh Dobbs traded from the Cardinals to the Minnesota Vikings, who needed a quarterback, obviously, after the Kirk Cousins injury. So welcome to Minnesota, Josh. We just traded away one of our better offensive linemen. (laughs) (laughs) Got to throw this out there as well, though. Philly arms up. They go get Kevin Byard from Tennessee. They shore up the secondary. Niners go out. They bring in Chase Young on the defensive line. Detroit, they win last night. Very sloppy in the red zone. Quiet at the deadline. And then there's the Dallas Cowboys. If Jerry's just going to sit back and wait for someone to make a phone call, he's going to miss a big window here. If you think you're a competitor, you were already trailing Philly and San Francisco, and they have both gone out and gotten better at the moment. What are you doing in Dallas? Because if you're going to do nothing and you think that's enough, that's a fool's errand right there. You know, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Just really more than anything, me just uh, blowing off the take of our guy, uh, Evan Cohen, in the morning of Ezekiel Elliott going back to the Cowboys. Is there the possibility that Ezekiel Elliott could go back to the Cowboys because there is a discussion uh, that the Patriots are getting calls on him right now? Yeah, so if you're a Cowboy fan and you watch Chase Young go to Washington and Kevin Byard go to Philadelphia, I don't think Zeke Elliott coming back is going to be the thing that gets you going. It's I not. don't think that's going to be the thing. I it's just, absolutely I mean, not. You said it yesterday. He's, he's For the second year in a row, he's averaging less than four yards a carry. What's he going to do? He is not going to help you that much. That's what he's going to do. I, I think that's a fool's errand if you think that Zeke is truly going to help you at this point. I am blown away by the fact that it looks like Derrick Henry is going to stay in Tennessee because, to me, that's a difference-making player right now. And if Will Levis's performance on Saturday, uh, on Sunday, rather, was good enough for you to reconsider trading away Henry, trading away DeAndre Hopkins, okay, just be careful here. Just be careful Because when you have that kind of a performance, I can't immediately assume that that's going to turn me into a real playoff contender in Tennessee. Um, To the point on that, see, here's the thing. We're going to sit there and say, what are you doing? You've got two movable pieces. How come you're not stocking up for the future? But then on the other hand, if they were throwing Will Levis out there and there was no running back and no wide receivers, we'd be saying, you're going to get this guy killed. How can you properly evaluate a young quarterback if you don't give him anything to work with? Look at what happened to Justin Fields in Chicago. So I get the mindset here. Give him somebody to work with this year so you know if he's your guy. Because if he's not, they might be drafting all over again. I would get it from the Hopkins standpoint, the Derrick Henry thing. I think they could do pretty well in a return. And don't forget, the World Series is on ESPN Radio. Catch all the action between the Rangers and Diamondbacks tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app, and MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred, scheduled to join the pregame of tonight's World Series Game 4 on ESPN Radio. Be there. Thanks for listening to the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. 
You can listen to Carlin versus Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin versus Joe podcast.